0: the football kickoff
1: with Sky watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports BT Sport and Premier Sports All Alright, very welcome along. Every Friday morning around about half past 11 we go live on our social channels with the football kickoff. It's brought to you with Sky, all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and you can leave a comment there if you want to get involved in the conversation that we're having. And I'm delighted to say Phil Egan is with us in studio and on the line we've got Keith Tracy. Gents, you're both very welcome. Um, Keith, I might start with you. Good morning to you, how are you?
2: I'm very well, how are you?
1: Yeah, good. Um, You know Sean Dyche. What's what's he like at this stage? Uh, early doors in a new gig, showing everybody he's boss. Head shaved as tight as I've ever seen it.
2: Yeah, it's um, I see, I seen the first day. I watched. Uh, you know, they do the, the first days of uh, managers at clubs now on YouTube and all. And I was having a quick look at it, and day one was the the bleed test. So the first thing he wanted to do was get the fitness levels of all the lads, and it all just remembered. It was all so familiar to when he came in at Burnley because at Burnley we were, we were one of the favourites to get relegated. Uh, he came in for six months and then the following season he got us for pre-season. And the, the, One of the first things he did was he made us fill out a sheet and said, if you were in the opposition dressing room, what's the first thing you'd be saying to your new teammates? And there was a general consensus in the room that we thought we were a bit, just a bit nice and a bit soft. And the next day we had to train machine guards and that was, that was it moving forward from now on. And there was tackles flying in, there was fights. But he got everybody on side and, I, I, I only said it to my wife the other day, I absolutely loved the man. But it was it was so much hard work under him. But somehow he gets the best. Oh, he, believe me, I wasn't a starter for him. A, a lot of the time for Burnley, I was coming off the bench. I started every now and then. But he managed to keep me on side and he did that with a lot of people. He he You just have a love for him. And even now, I, when he, I'm an Arsenal fan. They beat Arsenal in his first game. And the first thing I did was text him to say, well done. And he just said, cheers, son. I appreciate it. And, I give, I give Everton a huge, huge boost to staying up. I'm very concerned where the goals come from, but with Sean Dyche there, one thing you will definitely get is motivation from the from the Everton players. And I think that's that's what the Everton fans want. They want to see players that will put a bit of sweat on the short, will run through brick walls. Hopefully some talent will, will come up behind that and they can back it up. And, but look, I, I think they're in a much better place than they were on the Frank Lampard, I have to be honest.
1: What's the difference between... What you're seeing under Deich and what you saw under Lampard,
2: I, I just I think they have to the bit in between their teeth. I really do. I, I think he, he's gonna motivate them. They, there's so, there's such a there was such a bad feel around everything with the with what's going on at ballroom level and that can seep onto the pitch as well. And when you have players like Dwight McNeil who's coming in, he's not very confident. He needs to he needs something to happen for him. But Deutsch will be in his ear all the time, saying, "Listen, you're doing what I want you to do. Don't worry about the outside noises." And egos will be all just stripped back, and they will start working hard. And when when they got beat by Liverpool, they did look like a team. Like half the team was still wanting to play the Frank Lampard way. Some people were starting to play the Deutsch way, and it was a little bit of a mixed match. That's what I'm saying. But Deutsch will quickly eradicate that. And you either be on his wavelength, or you won't be in the team. It's as simple as that. And he will get players he will play a 4-4-2 every player in the world every professional player in the world knows how to play a 4-4-2 it's very very easy so he'll get people to fill holes he'll fill gaps he'll make them rigid they will concede an awful lot less uh, less goals but like I say I'm concerned where the goals come from if a Calvert-Lewin can start hitting the back of the net they just need somebody to hit start hitting the back of the net even a Dwight McNeil and Alex Owoe somebody because I do think Karkovsky and Cody can do enough to keep them in the league and like I say, motivation is a big, big thing. And he will, he, I'm not, I'm trying to, I'm trying to put my finger on why I love the man so much. And I can't give you a, a, an obvious, he took a big, a, a big, a big thing in me. He loved me as a human being. I think that was reciprocated in the both of us. But as a manager, to me, in my eyes, I've worked under some great managers Mark Hughes, Graham Sooness, Giovanni Trapattoni. But for me, he's up there as the best I've worked with.
1: Right, that's really interesting. Um, that love that you had for him was that common amongst your teammates? Like you, you weren't an outlier here.
2: No, not at all. I wasn't an outlier. I know Kieran Trippier was a big, big fan of his. I, I watched the, I, I spoke to Trips. I watched the podcast the other day, and the first thing Kieran Trippier did when he won the league with Atletico was Facetime Sean Dyche. He was still on the pitch when he Facetime Sean Dyche and it's just little things like that that. I think he, he, even Danny Ings, Danny Ings is a big admirer of his. I know Ross Wallace, me and Ross Wallace are close. He's a big admirer of his. There's so many players in that era that he took over and he just motivated us all. He made us a team. He made us believe. And he brought people like Stuart Pearce in to watch his training. And Stuart Pearce, this is probably two weeks into the start of the season, said, lads, if you can keep that intensity in training and you trained like that throughout the season, I would I would back us to get promoted. And we all thought he was mad. We were like, he's mental. We're never going to get promoted. And game by game by game by game, it just started to happen and it just fell into place and he managed it absolutely perfectly. But I have to say, there's so many, so many different instances where he got I mean, Ross Wallace, I'm, I'm talking about Ross Wallace and Kieran Trippy. I love him. Ross Wallace actually headbuttoned Kieran Trippier and training him one day and burst his nose all over the place. And Deutsch's reaction to that was uh, Ross Wallace had to pay for us all to up to Saint Andrews for a round of golf and he had to pay for everybody. And it, it just got he obviously apologised to trips, it shouldn't have happened and it it just got squashed so so well and there wasn't it wasn't a fine per se for Ross. It was more of a, a team building exercise for us all to go and play golf and he just handles little situations like that really, really well. And yeah, I, I think the general consensus of the lads loved him and like I say, I wasn't even playing and I loved him.
1: Saint Andrew's not cheap. <laughs>
2: <laughs> not cheap. No, it was a decent. It was about a two week. It worked out with about a two week fine. So we knew <laughs> what he was doing. He, he, so look at Ross was Ross was doing very very well. He he didn't he didn't mind too much,
1: right? Jesus. And uh, and yeah. did Trippier deserve it? Obviously not.
2: <laughs> no. Well, I was Trips was playing right back. I was playing right wing, and Ross was playing left wing for the opposing team, and a little eleven v eleven. And the ball went over my head. It was running out. It was running out for our goal kick. So I turned to walk back to the halfway line. Next thing, I I look back and trips his nose was all over his face, and Ross was just in in the height of it over something. I didn't really see what happened, but listen, it it was quickly quickly swash. Ross waited for him in the car park the next morning to apologise, and it was quickly quickly forgotten about.
1: Right, um, a nice golf trip for everybody. You're like, well, unfortunate circumstances, yeah. but like I'll say that is very very nice.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a lot of people were saying we should do it a lot more often and <laughs> you know, have a few fights and train.
1: <laughs> the thing about the um, the gym pads right like it it obviously came up again he's, he's doing it now and he 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 referred to the the 360 you got everybody sit down and kind of analyze everybody above them and everybody below them and everybody beside them and it's like it it seems like it's management speak but the way you talk about it is like very practical you know analyze yourself be honest and then we're going to share that with everybody so that there's this kind of release of tension where everybody has an opportunity to say something meaningful about the people they're working with, and either they they tell the truth or they don't. But if they don't tell the truth, everybody knows.
2: Yeah, exactly. There's no hiding place on the dice. You know, players have GPS systems and all now. But when you look in the mirror, you know yourself if you're coming off or you're not. You're not doing what you need to do. And he was he was always such a, a, a great motivator. And honestly, I I when I heard it was maybe Bielsa was getting the Everton job. I I was, I'm not so sure if that's who you need going into a relegation battle, but when you heard Sean Dyche coming in and getting it, I I, I honestly thought they'd be safe. They'd be fine. And I'm obviously crunching the numbers now and looking at it a little bit more closely. The the goals are a big, big worry, but look, they will concede an awful lot more or less. If he can get the crowd on side, I know there's there's problems at boardroom level, but if he can get them on side, it'll be brilliant. And some of the things with those, you know, people go into this, you know, sports this sports science, that. We went down to Foto-Wyland for his first pre-season. And there was, obviously we were doing runs, times, all this stuff. But we had a day that was just for the gaffer. There was no scientists, no sports scientists involved. We turned up, there was uh, tractor, tractor tires just on the pitch. We had to pick them up and roll them. And as it was rolling, the other players had to stop them. So we were getting tire bones and everything. And I think we were about, about 20 games into the season and lads were starting to get tired. And he had a video of us doing all this and he said, lads, if you remember the pain you felt going through that day, you don't feel that now. You're nowhere near the threshold you've gotten that day. And It just revitalises and gives us an extra step. So although a lot of it is quite simplistic with Deutsch, a lot of it is, is really, really good. And he, he puts little markers in your head and lets you know and, just when you're starting to feel tired and you're starting to believe what maybe the media might be saying, he's very, very quick to come in and let you know that you, you're the master of your own thoughts and don't let anybody else tell you how you're feeling or how the club should be playing or... You're very good at just making things easy and simplistic for lads.
1: Phil, before we came on air, we were chatting about this game. It's the three o'clock kickoff in Premier Sports. I'm wondering why you'd pick Everton Leeds over maybe Man City, Forest. But you were saying this is the game that you want to see.
0: Absolutely, yeah. This is a massive game because you can have teams going for titles or teams going for Champions League, but nothing compares to what it's like for a relegation battle. Like, the two massive clubs. Obviously, Leeds are only back in the big time and they just about survived last season. Everton... We're very close to going under. You think back to the the Palace game where they they secured their safety, but they were two 0 down in that game, and they came back and won. So whoever wins tomorrow, obviously Leeds are ahead of them at the moment. But Everton, I was actually very surprised with how bad they were on Monday. I know they have a terrible record in the Derby, but I thought this was actually a good chance for them, given how well they played against Arsenal against the Liverpool team that are short on confidence but because Everton didn't really attack the game I thought from the start Liverpool worked their way into it they got the goal on the break and the second half was very comfortable for them but it's such a big game and it's one I've been I've been looking forward to I can, I was looking at that game and then next week obviously Leeds play Southampton I was kind of thinking this is Jesse Marsh bringing Southampton to Ellen Road Yeah, that's not going to happen but in terms of what Keith is saying as well about Sean Dyche because there's so many problems at Everton, certain players will use those ex- as excuses. He d- he won't let them do that. And just in terms of the shin guards, he's also banned snoods and scarves from training because he said you don't wear them in a game. It's He said it's quite simplistic. You don't wear these things at a, in a game. So why would you wear them training? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it, you know, it seems old school, and I, I can see how you know some of the uh, international players and international managers are rolling their eyes. But it also makes some sense at a fundamental level. We're going to train as we play, maybe not with the exact same intensity, but close enough to it.
0: The shin guards thing is interesting because, you know, I I can always remember as a kid have a massive shin guards, and they were actually a little bit awkward. But back then, I probably thought, yeah, they're probably the safest option, but. I didn't wear them in training but then I felt awkward wearing them playing a match because whereas you look at someone like Jack Grealish he has the, m- like ones. the, the smallest ones possible so much so you look at his you don't even think he's wearing them yeah. plus he wants to show off his giant calves
1: it's a d- double
0: edged a double whammy
1: I mean if I had calves like that in fairness I'd be getting them out all the time yeah <laughs> go
2: on I, I actually think I played with a player that had bigger calves than Jack Grealish oh right <laughs> Who? Stephen Warnock. Oh, right. We used to call them Popeye calves. They were absolutely <laughs> huge.
1: <laughs> Did he like that? Was that like, yeah, call me Popeye. I've, I've been on my well,
2: spinach. Yeah. He had, a, he had a couple of different nicknames. So he was all right with the Popeye calf one. Yeah, he wasn't too bad at that one. Yeah, they were the biggest calves I've ever seen. They were even bigger than Greenishes.
1: Wow. The other ones are obviously not safe for broadcast, are they? No, no. Fair enough. Maybe some night. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Maybe some night, yeah.
1: Um, what do you think of, of what's going on at Leeds, though? Like we were Again, we were chatting off, Like, you, you must have an idea of who you want as your manager and you must have made a few phone calls in advance of sacking the guy. At least if you're running the club properly, you have a replacement ready to go.
2: Yeah, you would have thought so if they're going to sack Jesse March, which they did, then they've got somebody lined up or somebody on the fringes ready to come in. Because we all know how football works. They say y- y- there's no tapping up, there's none of this. It does happen behind the scenes, we all know that. And for Leeds not to have had anybody ready to go in. Why sack him? Just keep him there. Keep him there. Maybe the results torn in. You, you can keep him, but yeah, for them not to come in, I think a couple of people have torn it down in the background. I think that's been, that's been highlighted, but looking at the squad, I, I can't see why. I know at the minute they're sitting 17th, only, only a point above everything. It's a huge game on the weekend, but you look at Harrison Somerville. I, I'm a big, big fan of uh, Wilfred Yonta, who's on a coming in. I, I'm, I'm loving watching him playing. If you can get Bamford to start hitting the back of the net, I think Leeds can ease away from this. I know defensively they're not gay; they they do they score goals, but defensively they they let in an awful lot. But I think they have the, the bones of, of a team there that can keep our keep our relegation. But yeah, when when people are having conversations with the hierarchy and they're, they're shying away from them saying, I don't really fancy this. There's yeah, there's alarm bells going off there.
1: All right, that's the three o'clock kickoff on Premier Sports. The first kickoff on Saturday morning is Aston Villa against Arsenal at half past twelve on BT Sports. You were saying the big news in, in world football is that Tyrone Mings has signed a new deal.
0: Yeah, two things guarantee a goal: is a new contract or you've just had a baby. So Tyrone Mings has got the contract.
1: First goal scorer, ten to
0: one, whatever yeah. it is. Well, it just it's it, football has a funny way of throwing things up. Where you've Unai Emery now in charge of Villa, Arsenal need a win. If Arsenal win tomorrow, then there's very little talk of the Manchester City game because they don't play City until April in the the next game at the at the Etihad. And then it's just business as usual. But Thomas Partey, Arteta has just done his press conference, he said they're going to assess him today. The difference when he doesn't play, they lost at Old Trafford without him. They lost the other night without him. I thought Jorginho did okay in terms of what he did with the ball but defensively he's not as strong he doesn't see the danger and if he does he doesn't have the same physicality to be able to get himself out of trouble the way Party does
1: yeah Um, so if he's not playing you give Villa a chance of winning the game or just breaking even
0: well those half 12 games are I find they take a while to get going and even I wonder just what happened the other night it's quite a quick turnaround our Ted has talked about that as well you know if they were playing Champions League they, this wouldn't happen. This is what they've brought in where Ars- Arsenal played on a Wednesday night. Chelsea played on a Wednesday night. Chelsea couldn't play at half-twelve tomorrow, but Arsenal can because they're not in the Champions League. But that, at the moment, that's their aim, is to get back into the Champions League. But everyone just feels that that was a decisive blow that City struck on Wednesday night, the fact that they won. Arsenal still have the game in hand. And I, I wonder as well, if City do edge ahead in the the title race, will that actually just take a little bit of pressure off Arsenal? Will they start going on a run again when they become the chasers? City, as as good and as well they took their chances the other night, certainly aren't fixed.
1: No, I, I do wonder if the transition that they're going through is so pronounced though that we're going to only really understand it in 18 months' time if everybody's still there and they're not relegated. You know, there's yeah. so much going on there at the moment. Um, we can talk about City in, in, a, in a few minutes maybe, but uh, what did you make... Keith of, of Arsenal and how they dealt with what they were supposed to do with midweek?
2: I, I don't... Look, Arsenal have... In terms of their, their last couple of games, they're having a little bit of a wobble, but, you know, the Manchester City one, for me, I wouldn't look too deep into it. I know they got B 3-1. It looks quite convincing, but for me, they competed for large, large parts of that game. I don't think we were outclassed by Manchester City, which can happen to anybody on that day, but they weren't outclassed. I thought... It was a really competitive game. Arsenal were pushing towards the end to get the week, and, and Halland puts one away, but by and large, I thought Arsenal competed quite well. I don't think Arsenal will be thinking about the next lay, or the next game in the league against City, thinking we don't want to play these again. I think they'll be thinking, yeah, okay, we felt that power and maybe we'll be able to deal with it a little bit better. In terms of, they lost to, they lost to Everton, didn't really turn up okay put your hands up that can happen to anybody there was always going to be a, a new manager bounce with Sean Dyche going into everything they got bullied fair enough that that can happen on the day but the Brentford one as well they, they didn't play great against Brentford but the Brentford goal was offside and they could have easily got over the line and got three points there so although there is a wobble I think Arteta can take some sort of he can take snippets out of the last couple of games and say listen put the Everton one to bed we were very poor on that Brighton, we should have won the game. We should have got three points. He can can put the emphasis on the referee forgetting to draw the Lions. And City, you know, City, City, City can beat anybody on the day. So I wouldn't be reading into that too much. Go and get back on the wagon against Villa. I think Trossard is going to be, he's going to become more and more important to Arsenal as it goes on. I know Saka's doing excellent. I know Martinelli's doing, doing excellent. But having somebody to be able to come off the bench who's on the level of Saka and Martinelli, you know, it, it's not a B player coming in he's somebody who can if he were starting you wouldn't be too annoyed because he's, he's a super super player Jesus will obviously start to come back into the mix over the next two months as well so look I, I was always saying Champions League football and Arsenal are in dreamland we're sitting second in the league we're putting up a great fight we still have a game in hand I'm over the moon with how it's going people are saying oh, Zinchenko and Jesus we should have been expecting this I don't think anybody was expecting Arsenal to be doing as well as they are so look it, it's a tiny bit of a wobble but if they can go and get the go and get the win against Villa on Saturday then I don't think it's, it's that bad of a win. we all knew the wobble was coming it's just how quickly Arsenal can get out of it
0: the Unai Emory derby adds a little layer of intrigue that's it that's why like football just has a funny thing or a funny way of throwing these things up where you think of how badly it ended for Unai Emery and a lot of people would have thought you'll never see him back in the Premier League obviously he goes away does really well with Villarreal as he's done in most clubs he's gone to and you know it's it's been mixed with Villa they've obviously had a couple of bad results so they need to, to get back to, to winning ways or e- even produce a performance but if Arsenal can score first and settle down then they'd be they should be able to win that game but if they come away without three points tomorrow then you know the wobble starts becoming a bit more of a wobble and then thinking is the pressure getting to them yeah. but I would agree I I thought they were like City at 36% possession the other night. That never happens with Pep Guardiola teams. That'll tell you how good Arsenal were at the time. Just a few little mistakes they made. Obviously, Tommy Asu gets punished. Gabriel gets caught out. Even being indecisive, there was that moment when it was 2-1, Jacques is on the edge of the box. You're thinking, shoot. And he was just caught in two minds. He's got an absolute hammer of a left foot. You just thought, why not shoot? But yeah, if they win tomorrow, as I said, the, the City game... Uh, becomes irrelevant and then they're just they're as Keith said they're back in the wagon
2: OTB AM it would be insane not to put Roy Keane on the Manchester United list Jordan Henderson has been as important for Liverpool as Roy Keane has been for Manchester United OTB AM live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app
1: Uh, Newcastle against Liverpool kicks off at half past five that one's on Sky Sports the early game obviously on BT Sport at half twelve this Newcastle Liverpool game Keith is really really interesting now because uh, Liverpool put a performance together and they had what looks like their first choice attacking trio start play well uh, create for each other and then Diogo Jota comes off the bench and uh, I think Firmino's back as well Firmino came off as well so there and uh, Virgil was on the bench so all of a sudden what looked like a, a disastrous wasteland of a season we were getting texts uh, on whatever morning was after the game going well if we beat Newcastle we're only six points off fourth it. and it's like the uh, season's only halfway through
0: with a game in hand
1: you know so um, but you've got to beat Newcastle and beating Newcastle anymore isn't like oh we'll roll up it'll be 2-0 after 15 minutes and we'll just play the, it's not going to happen so it's a really really big game
2: it is. And yeah, for all the doom and gloom that's around Liverpool, for as poor if they, they have been, sitting in ninth at the minute, if they can go and turn over Newcastle, like you said, they're only six points behind. And it, it's probably even too early to say we're starting to run in. It, it, we're only 20, 22, 23 games in in some cases. So look, at, yeah, but what what I'm seeing from Liverpool, it's just, it's, I know, Look, take the Everton one aside because even if they lost that game, I'd say, that's a derby. Take that aside. You know Anything can happen in them games. But when you look into the the games they're getting beaten, the games they're drawing in, I mean, I go, I go back to the, the last five games when he got beat by Brentford 3-1. And you're thinking, like, Brentford had a good, strong team, but you didn't see Brentford doing that to Liverpool, certainly not last season anyway. And then they go and back that up with a 3-0 loss against Brighton. And then it, it's a very poor nil-all draw against Chelsea, and then they go and get hammered three boy wolves and you know if, if this was any other manager that didn't have the credit in the bank that Jorgen Klopp has over the years i think there'd be huge, huge question marks over him but look there, there has been i i i accept that uh, van Dijk's missing is out there's a couple of players gone you know, missing here maybe the the midfield is not what it used to be i get all that but i still get that Jorgen Klopp should have seen this coming there should have been people coming in the door to facilitate all this happening and yeah, I, I I, don't know. I, I think they're not defending anywhere near as well as they have. They're not scoring anywhere near the amount of goals they used to. And they're nowhere near as formidable in the middle of the pitch as they were. The energy levels are not like they used to. The stats are backing that up. They're not sprinting as strong as they used to. And yeah, it, it, it's very, very. Uh, like when you look at this, when you look at Newcastle and Liverpool on paper, it's, it's a Newcastle win, isn't it? You just. That's where Liverpool are at at the, this moment in time. And like I said, I know they beat everything, but I, I can't see past a Newcastle win here. I think, it, with it being in St James's as well, the place will be bouncing. And I think Newcastle will put down a marker. And Bruno Gomares is missing. He, he's suspended. But I still think Newcastle will have enough.
1: And if, if they do, it's a real statement win from Newcastle as well.
0: Yeah. Well, Liverpool are the only team to beat Newcastle. And there was needle in that game. Um, Fabio Carvalho scored in the 98th minute. There was five minutes of injury time put on, but Newcastle had an injury during that injury time. And when Liverpool scored, the benches clashed. So there's going to be a nice bit of needle in this game. Newcastle have kind of leveled off a bit where they're drawing games, but they're not losing games. So no. Liverpool need to go there and win. And I get what Keith is saying. He's 100% right. Like, what I've found so baffling about watching Liverpool, injuries happen. You have to adapt. Two years ago, Klopp didn't adapt when they lost their centre-halves. He was playing Jordan Henderson and Fabinho in midfield and eventually he said, right, I'm going with Nat Phillips and Rhys Williams as my centre-halves and they won eight of their last ten games and they got the Champions League place. Watching them the other night, their two goals came from breakaways. I, I just, when you're not as good in midfield as you have been where there's spaces, why not just sit a little bit deeper? They have, you've seen the other night, they've devastating pace on the break. Nunez, absolutely skint Adriciay, who's no slouch. And people saw obviously, you know, Salah, Gakpo, they have pace. Why not just sit a little bit deeper and less holes in midfield, play on the break. And now
1: at Newcastle is now actually a perfect scenario for them where they can let Newcastle have the ball and, exactly. and say, Okay, come on, let's let's see what you guys have.
0: And I don't think Liverpool fans are gonna think, Oh, you know, we're not great to watch at the moment. It's not about that, it's about getting results. And luckily for Liverpool, they have one ray of hope in midfield, and that's an eighteen year old kid, Bajicic, who now you're in a situation as he has to start. Yeah. And does Klopp start him tomorrow with the Real Madrid game in mind?
1: As in, you you play.
0: He has to play both games.
1: Well, and that's the ball game right now, though. Uh, But there's 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 a month between the two Real Madrid games, is there? No, but I'm
0: saying next week's first leg.
1: Yeah, but is is on Tuesday. He can he can play these two games, though, right? He's only eighteen.
0: He's only eighteen, but is he he recover? Like I I think back to one of the games. I'm trying to think where he cramped up at the end, towards the end, and you know he maybe give
1: him an hour of, of this game to start with.
0: Yeah but it'll be interesting to see what what team selection he goes with but Newcastle have definitely looked a little bit flatter but it's a half five game that place will be hopping there's
1: a strong chance that the Everton performance was more muscle memory from Henderson for example yeah. and even Andy Robertson who had a bit of needle about him again and, yeah. and like you need you need that from them yeah there's also a possibility that they use that as a springboard for the rest of the season.
0: Possibly. If if like, they don't, then we'll just think people will say Everton were poor. But what I did notice about say the first twenty minutes of that game was you could see how short and confidence players like Fabinho and Joe Matabar when the ball is near them, Liverpool fans are looking away just thinking this is it's just c- a car crash waiting to happen. But they actually had a lot of possession in the second half and they started to look a bit more comfortable
1: and look uh, I think any, any swallow that might suggest the summer is coming Liverpool fans are going to look for on Sunday two games Manchester United against Leicester two o'clock kick off on Sky Sports and the Spurs versus West Ham at half past four kilichi um, Iheanacho is in one of those veins of form at the moment Keith where everything he touches looks amazing and he's very streaky so I wouldn't be terribly surprised to see him on the scoreboard at the weekend um, where are Manchester United though at the moment what's going on with them like honestly
2: I like what United are doing the last probably uh, I mean, since the start of the season they they had a bit of a poor start on Ten Hag but it's been really really good since defensively they got an awful lot better when Casemiro came in he, he didn't look match fit to me but all of a sudden I mean there was a bit last night against uh, Barcelona I think he had uh, he had one of the young lads either Gavi or Pedri in the corner and he just sort of made them look like kids he held them off kicked off his shins, won a goal kick and he just stood there looking at them as if to say you have a lot to learn yet mate and it was just brilliant from him and it, the way he can get forward as well he doesn't just sit in front of the back forward and he will do that but he'll get forward and give you a goal And Rashford has just started to hit form hasn't he as well I think Eric Den Haag just seems to release something in him to to get him playing again he's saying he's, he takes the game an awful lot more seriously than he did 12 goals and 3 assists this season already it's brilliant, brilliant stuff from him 4 goals his last 4 games and like I say, yeah, it's very, very hard. Uh, the one thing I, I wasn't sure about United, they looked really good. They could get uh, Garnacho on the ball, Rashford on the ball, Martial's coming to the party. Anthony looks okay. If, if he could grow a right foot, he'd be, he'd be brilliant to be able to go on the outside of people as well. But an awful lot of stuff is starting to click at United. And the one thing that really impressed me last night is they went one nail down in the new Camp. And you're thinking, right, then let's see what these are all about now. And then, Within two minutes I think it was Rashford had the ball in the back of the net and it was really, really good. They had the ground a bit of backbone, playing defensively, really, really sound football. And Rashford looks like he can horse it from anywhere on the pitch, even if he's on the edge of his own eighteen yard box when they're camped in. He has the legs to get up to the edge of your eighteen yard box within seconds. And yeah, I thought United were unlucky last night against uh, against Barcelona and in the league sitting in towards when you when you look at how well Arsenal are doing Manchester City and Newcastle are flying as well. So look, United are right in the mix, and I thought United you know, would struggle to get Champions League football this season. I thought then Hag would take a while to to embed himself, but the way he's handled Ronaldo, I think has has done wonders for the club. Yeah, I, I think it's all it's all looking really good for United, and if you think, I don't think they'll challenge for the title this season. I think that might just just be beyond them. Although obviously points wise, it's not. I just that's just my own personal opinion, but I think next season will be a big big season for Manchester United. Okay, Can Leicester trouble them? Uh,
0: definitely yeah Leicester have got their mojo back Brendan's smiling again Tete good signing on loan from, from Shakhtar he was over in France as well and Madison is obviously back as well you mentioned Ian Acho and he obviously brought Suter in from from Stoke as well so he got a few signings this was a bit of a gripe at Rodgers at the start of the season there was a lot of noise coming out about he couldn't sign players and he was getting frustrated but he's got a few players in a few players have got their, their back fit as well and do you know what? It's the kind of game if if United aren't clinical they could get caught in, in and again there will be one eye on that second leg at Old Trafford next Thursday. Rashford, what do you do with Rashford? He's, you can't leave him out but if, if you're a United fan you're thinking what happens if something was to happen to Rashford? <laughs> because he is on fire at the moment. So. I know, you've
1: no choice though, right? No, but
0: I, I think what Ten Hag has done really well is he's made changes and he's, just, he's happy enough to say... look Prime example, last weekend against Leeds, Ellen Road, he goes with Harry Maguire and Luke Shaw. If you had said that, if Ralph Rannick did that last season, he would have been absolutely ridiculed. But people trust Ten Hag because he's now starting to produce. But then he brought on Lissandro Martinez and then he brought Shaw back out onto the left and he brought Garnacho on and it all just they struck they won the game in the last 20 minutes Yeah, and he doesn't seem to mind doing that just a bit of patience
1: Okay so I- you think that there's a possibility that maybe he gives Rashford a bit of a rest considering
0: Might say he might say do you know what you, you, you can start on the bench but then again it's to Keith's very
1: point winning the Europa League would be a massive yeah. thing for them on, as a staging post so we talk about this all the time not every trophy is the same for some teams winning the Europa League is the end of a, a cycle and it's like oh we just got this trophy but for them it's the start exactly so was,
0: yeah and I would I would expect them to beat Newcastle in the League mm-hmm. Cup final next weekend I, okay I I think like We can come back to that next week Yeah no I think Obviously Newcastle <laughs> Wait, make, see how Newcastle Get on against Liverpool Yeah well The uh, uh, thing is Bruno Gimaraj Will be back for that League hey Cup oh, final yeah. But if United win the League Cup And you know they've, They'll have they fancy their chances now Of beating Barca Next week Now I actually think It'll be a tougher game I did a lot of space At the Nou Camp last night um, It was interesting How he used Veghors As well You saw Veghors You just presumed He was going to play up front But he basically played As an 8 Behind Rashford and Sancho played out on the left. So anything Ten Hag is doing at the moment is working tactically. And it's. I wonder, you know, will other managers be able to work out what he's doing? But he seems that good tactically that he'll always be one step ahead of you.
1: Well, um, for a change, Manchester United fans are feeling themselves. Uh, Spurs versus West Ham kicked up at half past four. Uh, we hear Antonio Conte is going to be spending a bit more time in Italy Keith is that the beginning of the end for Conte at Spurs do you think uh, it's obviously been precipitated by his health but it's been on the cards for a long time
2: yeah um, I'm not so sure it, it could be the way out if he's looking for a way out it, it could be a, could be an avenue to get out of the club but look it's, it's Spurs are just so so inconsistent are it's like they're sitting fifth in the league and yeah they're probably about where you would expect them to be looking on paper but it's the performances, some of the performances have just been so poor and it's, it's just hard to know what you're going to get, they go and beat City, then they lose 4-1 to Leicester, in terms of points, yeah, they're okay, but Harry Kane, 17 goals, one assist, you know, he, he needs help, you know, Son is not the player that, that we were used to seeing in the Premier League over the couple of years, Kuliszewski, he's just getting little injuries here and there, and he's dropping out for a couple of weeks, a month at a time and he needs help, it, it can't all be Harry Kane I, I like sports, I really do, I love Heiberg in the middle, Bentancourt, I think that there's a, there's a decent team there that's, but you just don't know what you're going to get, you know, they torn up, it's like, it's like a boxer going out and they wait till they get till they get a bloody nose They say, oh God, we might as well start playing here, they, they've been behind in so many games, they've been reactive, they're not, they're not going and imposing themselves on teams, they're sort of going out there and saying, let's see what these have before we decide what we're going to do, and you can't be like that at Tottenham that they're supposed to be a big club that they want to be an elite club and yeah I don't know especially when I heard that is not going to be there on Sunday I, I it did make me lean a little bit towards West Ham because like we say the, the footballers are, are very very fickle creatures and any excuse they can use I think they will I think West Ham will go there with the bit in between their teeth and yeah with, with it being a London derby I, I think London uh, Spurs might just shy away from it and West Ham will wrestle the result.
1: It's good when you can have two goalkeepers playing for your team as well. It's very helpful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, actually speaking of goalkeepers, I think Hugo Lloris, I know he's had his critics, but he's still far better than Fraser Forster. Yeah. And Keith mentioned Bentoncourt. he's out for the season. Like that's a massive loss for them. And surely now is the time to start playing Richarlison because it's not Son just hasn't delivered. You keep playing him and you hope that he comes back to form, but he tends to come back to form after you drop him maybe Doesn't yeah he,
1: like, he responds to being dropped like the but one time he played well this season was after he was put back in the team having been dropped out of it so yeah he,
0: he, but also as well with Richarlison you, you just need like you know what you get with Richarlison he's going to rough people up but maybe yeah.
1: that's what you need yeah yeah they could do with a little bit of that alright ok Spurs versus West Ham kicks off at half past four on uh, Sky Sports on Sunday the football kickoff with Sky all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports BT Sport and Premier Sports Keith Tracy and Phil Egan, folks enjoy thanks a million cheers
0: the football kickoff. With Sky. Watch
1: every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier
0: Sports.